All right, we're in a series called Colliding Worlds. Any perfectionist in the room? Who's a little bit of a perfectionist? No perfectionist you know, around there. Um, there was an online survey that listed qualities of people, what people expect in a perfect pastor. So a perfect pastor. Here's a perfect pastor. They preach exactly 12 minutes. They preach. They're 20 year, eight years old, and they've been preaching for 30 years. Uh, they work from 8 a.m. to midnight every day, but also they're a caretaker. Uh, they frequently condemn sin, but never upset anyone. They wear good clothes, buy good books, drive a good car, give generously to the poor, and have a low salary. Uh, they make 15 daily calls to parish families. Uh, they visit the housebound and the hospitalized. They spend all their time evangelizing the unch- uh, unchurched and are always on call no matter what, uh, what time of the day it is. And I like this one. They're good looking. Uh, they can sing. They can dance. And they also can tell good jokes. Uh, how many know there's no such thing as a perfect pastor? And I'm definitely not one of those. In life, sometimes it can feel like you're not measuring up. Uh, you know, you're not measuring up. You're not good enough. And as a result of that, uh, we're vulnerable. All of us are vulnerable to having our heart broken. Uh, we can get injured. And in sport, when you get injured, the danger is you keep playing with that injury and that injury gets embedded. Uh, in fact, when you've got an injury, you're more sensitive or you're more vulnerable in that area on, on a, on, in a, as you go forward in life. And we live in a world right now where everybody's a little bit hypersensitive. <laughs> uh, people are a little bit precious. In fact, this world is easily offended uh, in many ways. And what I want to speak about today, uh, I'm praying is going to help uh, bring some healing into areas where we might have been vulnerable. Because uh, the, the, the fact of the matter is, uh, and I said this to my daughters when they started playing sport, if you don't want to get injured, don't play. But if you're going to play, there's a likelihood you're going to get injured. Well, when it comes to life, how many know we're all vulnerable to getting injured? We're all vulnerable to getting hurt. We're all vulnerable to having our hearts broken. But I've got good news today. is because we have a Savior, and His name is Jesus Christ. And he came to actually heal us in those places where we're vulnerable. I'm talking today, I want to talk about emotional healing. Not physical healing, not mental healing, not sexual healing, but emotional healing. And uh, some people are more in touch with their emotions than others. Um, Some of us know we're emotional by how we eat. Uh, We're emotional eaters. Uh, But one thing I want to say is, one thing we all are is we are emotional beings. And let's go to Luke chapter 4 quickly, because Jesus uh, went back to his hometown, Nazareth, and it says, he went into the synagogue as it was his custom. Uh, You made a great decision coming to church today. In fact, if this is something you attend every now and then, why not make a custom of it, because that's what Jesus did. And he, he, the Bible says in Luke chapter 4 that he looked for a scroll and he found Isaiah and he began to read out this verse. And in verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. So I just want you to look at those two lines. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recovery and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it to the attendant, sat down, and all the eyes 
and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say, today, this scripture is being fulfilled in your hearing. He was saying, uh, let me tell you, I'm him. That's what he was saying in essence. I'm him. I am the Messiah. Now, in this passage, it outlines five foundational ministries of Jesus, but we're going to focus on one, and we're going to focus on the emotional healing. And in this, he says, I'm here to heal the brokenhearted and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. In fact, the King James says, to set at liberty those who are bruised. Now, I'm not talking about somebody who's just got a dead arm or, you know, somebody who's got a bruise on their leg as a result of a Charlie. Uh, No, Jesus came to heal broken hearts. And and the word broken hearts come from two Greek words. Heart means heart. But broken actually means to break into pieces and to shatter. Anybody remember Akarok cups? Maybe you've got some of those. Akarok cups. They were meant to be unbreakable. Unbreakable. But you could break them. And if you broke them, they wouldn't just break into pieces. They would shatter. And they'll shatter in such a way that the cup was actually unrecognizable. It was just broken little bits of glass all over the place. And, and, and it was breaking. And these two Greek words, it actually means to shatter to a place where there's no hope of putting it back together. It's unrecoverable. And Jesus is saying in this verse, I'm here to heal that. I'm here to bring healing to that area, to a shattered heart. I want to ask you a question this morning. And has your heart ever been broken? Most people would say yes to that. Second question is, has your heart ever been shattered? I've got really good news for you today, is Jesus can heal that. There's somebody who can bring those pieces together, and you don't have to actually live with a broken heart. You know, life can be difficult. Let's get, get real. You know, maybe we've had a, a parent, a family member let us down, disappoint us, left us, abused us when we we're young. Maybe, maybe somebody loved us at uh, once but no longer loves us. And they didn't love us back the way that we gave love. And it ended up us having a, a broken heart. Or, or perhaps we went after a job we really wanted and we got overlooked. And now we're stuck at a level in our career and, and there's, this, uh, there's this feeling of, of hurt on the inside. Or, or perhaps somebody close to us died. In fact, I was just at a funeral with somebody who died in our Wanganui church. He'd been part of our church for 41 years. I remember when I was six years old. I remember him as a six-year-old. He died this week, 60 years old, heart attack. Was well in the morning, 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock, had a heart attack and he, he passed away by 11 o'clock. Life is fragile, and we lose loved ones, and it can result in a a broken heart. No no matter what the specific reason for our broken heart, the the root of it is there's a great loss, and there's disappointment, and we feel hurt, we feel scorned, we feel forgotten, we feel crushed, we we feel let down and even rejected. Now, one thing in following Jesus is Jesus never promised a pain-free life. But what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about the two strongholds that we let in, that the enemy can get a foothold in, if we we don't recognize this, when our heart is broken and bruised. What happens when our heart is, is broken is what happens is a stronghold of rejection can enter our hearts. 
You know, hearts can be broken over a relationship, a, fr- a, a friendship, or a loss of somebody. And, and what happens is rejection can come in. And I want you to know what happens when rejection comes in. And I, I want you to know that we're all susceptible to, to rejection. In fact, theologically, you may have never heard this before, but we were born rejected. We were born rejected. Uh, we're born and because of our sin nature, we couldn't have communion with God. We were rejected because of our sin. But a holy God wanted a relationship with us, so he sent his son Jesus to heal that. And that's why in life, we've got a human race right now that's you know, easily rejected. And much of what happens in our life fosters this whole rejection. And if we let our hearts go untreated by Jesus, if we hold on to grudges and feelings of being rejected, and, and we treat those hurts, and this is what the world is doing, as untreatable, what we do is we allow a foothold for the enemy to come in, into our lives. See, see, untreated hurt and feelings can enslave a person and hold them in bondage. And I just want to quickly give you seven man manifestations of, of rejection in our life, how it manifests as, itself in our life. And so you may be able to recognize yourself just in this, or maybe it's just your neighbor or somebody else. Okay, here we go. The first way that, that a, a rejection manifests itself with this emotional stronghold is anger. People who have outbursts of anger, they have a spirit of rejection. That's a root, a spirit of rage. You know, it comes in. You know, people will punch holes in walls, and, you know, they're a little bit like, um, you know, the ultimate, uh, no, not the ultimate, the Hulk. <laughs> the Hulk, you know, David Banner, you don't want to see me when I get angry. And, and what happens is they, they have extreme and inappropriate displays of anger. But that is a result often of an emotional stronghold stemming from a past hurt. You know, somebody who can't control their anger and gets into fits of rage, yeah, it can be a personality disorder. But most likely it's a result of a, a, a foothold, the enemy having a foothold as a result of an area of pain and rejection in a person's life. Now, I want to show you, King Saul was a classic for this. And the Bible said, because of King Saul's disobedience to God, God rejected Saul as being king over Israel. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 26, But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return to you, for I have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Now, as a result of that, the Bible says that God allowed a distressing, evil spirit to come upon Saul, and the spirit was a spirit of rage. So much so that one evening they're having dinner, David's playing the heart, Saul gets into a fit of rage, he picks up a spear and tries to pin David to the wall. David thankfully escaped. See, see, when people have anger, exhibit, uh, anger and try to do physical harm to other people, it can be a result of an evil spirit where it should come in as a result of rejection. Second way it manifests is insecurity. When, when people need, uh, constantly need attention, where, where people need to be uh, uh, emotionally propped up all the time on a regular basis. Uh, it's where, where we can be overly concerned with our appearance and, and our position, where we need to sit in certain places. We need people to notice us, to mention us, to, to recognize us. Yeah, it can be a character quirk, 
But it can also be as a result of being wounded deeply. And if that wound is left untreated, that pain becomes a foothold for the enemy to use. The third area, I need to go through these quickly, is pride. Pride. This can manifest in different ways. It's where people can talk a lot about their accomplishments. They can portray themselves as being better than everyone else. Uh, you know, people who always give their opinions and dominate conversations and, and the other ones who's always right and everyone else is wrong. And, and this is a result, again, of a deep wounding. It's because they're saying, well, well, I've been hurt before and I'm going to make sure I'm never hurt again. And the way that we accomplish this is through being self-sufficient. Self-sufficient. And, and which can lead then to inappropriate risk-taking because we're not going to be wrong again. Fourth area is independence. Independence is where we can keep somebody at arm's length. Uh, we're, we're, we're guarded. We don't let anybody get too close. You know, uh, people have independence. They won't listen to the counsel of others. And in the end, they'll do what they want to do no matter what. And this type of independence stems from rejection that, where there's a perceived abandonment in their past. And what it is, it's a safeguard against pain. And, and it's like, well, I'm going to just pull walls around me, and, and these walls are going to stop people rejecting me again. The fifth area is where there's a touchiness, and, a, and, and we can easily be offended. You ever been around somebody that's like, man, you have to walk on eggshells, you have to be careful. They're easily offended. They take comments personally. You can't joke around them. You know, yeah, you have to be really careful. Now, now, some people are naturally more sensitive than others, but what I'm talking about here is an ultra-sensitivity, an ultra-sensitivity in this. Oh, the sixth area, quickly, is there's an excessive loneliness or shyness. And, and the key word in this is there's an excessive shyness and loneliness. Yeah, I'm not talking, uh, I'm talking here about there's an overt, uh, a rational fear when it comes to being around people. And that can happen. Number seven, the seventh one is there's a need to control and manipulate, a need to control and manipulate. Anyone who controls and manipulate has a spirit of rejection. And what it boils down to is uh, I've been hurt in the past, so I want to control my environment so it doesn't happen again, so I don't get rejected in the future. You know, in fact, what they'll do, I'll control, they'll interrupt you a lot. And, you know, if there's an issue brought it up, they'll try and turn it back on you somehow. They'll take the spotlight off themselves, but you did that. You know, they'll gaslight in that. And they'll do it through a spirit of intimidation uh, because what in the end, what are they? They're hurt and hurt people hurt people. Offended people offend people. People who control and manipulate also can do it through self-pity. They'll try and get you to feel sorry for them. You know, uh, one way that people can manipulate is actually through crying. It's like as soon as you talk about an issue, they start crying. They start crying. Uh, basically, what they're saying is, you're hurting me. Stop hurting me. Come on. Have you ever had a child uh, cry and wail, and then, and then you go, oh, it's all right, I'll give you ice cream, and they stop suddenly? Come on, have you ever been there? Yeah, it's like up to them, it's like they're acting like you're killing them. But apparently ice cream makes it better. 
makes it better. And, and what, what are they? The defense mechanisms put in place. And what happens in our world today is walls are being built, arms are being carried. But the problem is the walls that we're building to protect ourselves are the walls that are stopping the very thing we desire coming to us. Healing coming to our lives in all these areas, anger, insecurity, pride, independence, a touchiness and a shyness, you know, the, the need to control. They're all evidence of a, of a spirit of rejection that's come as a result of a broken heart. But here's the good news. Jesus come to heal broken hearts. He came to heal bruises. Jesus came to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And what a bruise is, a bruise is inward bleeding. And I want you to know today that you can be at liberty. God wants to set free those who have been bruised. And let me tell you what that means. It means if you're bruised, you can actually be in bondage. Because if Jesus said, I've come to set free those who are bruised and oppressed and crushed, it means a bruise can actually hold you captive. The word, this word means crushed. First question I asked you, has your heart ever been broken? Has it ever been crushed? Come on, a loss of a marriage, a loss of a relationship. A loss of loved one. I'm not trying to be insensitive here, but these are real issues. And many people, well, I just got to work through this, but they don't recognize that that, that left untreated opens a, 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 it opens a door for the enemy to come in. And, and here's one of the strongholds that comes in when we don't unforgive, uh, when we don't show forgiveness, that comes in as a result of unforgiveness. Let's go to Matthew 18. Matthew 18. We're all awake this morning. All awake. 9.15 service. We only got an hour, so we've got to go through this. Okay, Matthew 18, verse 21, it says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. So he's saying, hey, really, there's no limit to this. And then he tells a parable. He tells a parable where a certain guy owed what would be in today's terms, he'd owed $52 million. That's a whole lot of debt there. He owed $52 million. And then he went to his master, and his master forgave him of that debt. How many know that's a good day? You get forgiven of $52 million, that's a really good day. Now, that represents, what that represents is our salvation. Our salvation. That's a great day. For, you know, as believers, when we gave our hearts to Jesus, we're forgiven of a debt that we could never pay. But this guy then goes out, and a guy in today's term owes him $44 in today's currency. And he went and he threw this guy in prison until he could pay what was due to him. Right? And Jesus used this parable to say, you know, hey, you've been forgiven of a whole lot, a debt you couldn't pay. And what are you going to do with the guy who owes you? The person who did something mean to you. And, and, and then Jesus says, what do you think the master is going to do about this? And we pick it up from verse 32. It says, then the master after him called to him and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you of all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And the master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay always due to him. 
Delivered him to the torturers. What would the torturers uh, represent? In fact, one version says tormentors. Now, now I, I want you to notice something very carefully. Jesus tells this story, but he says something really important in the next verse, because this isn't just a parable related to that. And he says, verse 35, so my heavenly father will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So what will the heavenly father do to you? He'll turn you over to the tormentors. That's what he'll do. Could it be right now, a lot of people are being tormented in their mind. A lot of mental illness is a result of unforgiveness. They've just actually opened the door. In fact, there was a man in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 living in sin, and Paul says, give him over to the devil that God may put the fear of, that the fear of God may come into his heart. Now, now you've got to understand how God works. Old Testament, there's a pattern in the Old Testament. Uh, when Israel would reject God, what would God do? God would actually turn them over to their enemy. Why? Why would he do it? He would do it so they would repent and they'll come back to God. So, so they'll know actually what bondage is like and, and they wouldn't want to stay there. Because if you stay there, you're going to end up dying. So, so here's the deal. If you're not going to forgive someone, He's going to allow you to be tormented. I've sat with people over the years and said, I'm not going to forgive. I'm not going to forgive. And I've seen from that moment on how they've been tormented. You know, and, and, and Jesus said, you don't need to live that way. You, you can do it my way. My way is better. And my way is to actually offer forgiveness. But you need to understand, you can't be delivered unless you repent. And God is a judge. And that's why James says, hey, when it comes to, to, to resisting the devil, you first need to submit to God. He says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. But, but hear me, you can't resist the devil until you're submitted to God. Yeah, There's another way in Scripture to show how Satan takes advantage of it. You know the guy in 1 Corinthians 5 who wouldn't repent? You know, and turned over to the devil. Uh, he got turned over to Satan, but later on in 2 Corinthians, he actually repented. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul's saying, hey, now nah, forgive him, forgive him, take him in. Bring him back into the family. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For indeed, if you're forgiven of anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Least Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. See, see, what happens when we don't offer forgiveness is the enemy. Satan can take advantage of us, and this is how the enemy works in our world. A lot of people don't understand this. They're saved, but they don't understand by not forgiving, by not allowing God to come into those places of hurt, pain, where we leave those things untreated, we actually allow a foothold for the devil. Let, let me tell you how Satan can ta take advantage and explain to you how it opens up, you know, how it opens up, you know, uh, to a spirit of anger, a spirit of, you know, it brings in a spirit of fear, a spirit of rejection and bitterness. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 11, because 
this is what the devil does. Okay, we're, we're exposing them in this colliding world. Is uh, Satan in Second Corinthians eleven? Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. That word transform means masquerades, or you've been to a masquerade ball, they wear a mask so people can't see who you really are. And so what, what Satan does is he pretends to be an angel of light, a good angel, but how many know he's not? Now, now and, the, and the Holy Spirit, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is good. And one of the names of the Holy Spirit is comforter. But, but what Satan, he's a tormentor. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. Uh, but what the enemy does when we get hurt is he holds up a mask and he pretends to be a comforter. That's what he does. He pretends to be a comforter. Let's say, for instance, Kathy and I have an argument, and she sees something about me, and then I leave. And here's what Satan does. He comes, he puts his arm around me, and says, uh, she shouldn't have said that to you. She really shouldn't have said that to you. After all you've done for her, she doesn't respect you. Yeah, you know, remember she said something like that last week. You got a right to be upset. What's he doing right there? He's comforting you. He's saying, "Like you poor thing, you've been mistreated. She shouldn't talk to you like that." And then, 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 then he'll take it a little bit further, and he says, "What you you got to remember this." You're never going to get over this. You can't, you can't forget this. And here's what I think. Well, I have to forgive her because I'm a Christian and I'm the pastor too. <laughs> but in, my, in your mind, you could go, but I'm not forgetting this. I'm not forgetting this. And Satan will say, you really just saw her true character there. Now, now, if I agree with him, he's got his arm around me, but if I agree with him and I put my arm around him and say, yeah, you're right. Thanks for being such a good friend. Thanks for comforting me in this time. What have I done? I've just opened a door. Now, now bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, hate, envy, all these things come in and they'll torment Come on, are you following me this morning? So, so, so I, I want you to go through deliverance but because there's freedom. And Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. And we've got to take authority of this, over these spirits that we've let in. Come on, if you, you recognize, man, there's a spirit of rejection that's gone on into my life. Yeah, there's no shame in that. The best thing you can do is identify it and let Jesus deal with it. See, untreated wounds, the enemy has legal ground, legal ground in that area. You know, I, I can pray over you, but unless you forgive, the enemy goes, I'm not going anywhere. I've got legal ground to remain here. Come on, you can be saved, but not free. Yeah, in fact, I'd say one of the greatest things that will transform your life is allowing God into those places that are untreated. Yeah, this is the, the biggest change that will happen in your life other than salvation is when we start to apply some of the stuff. Come on, God wants to heal you from past wounds. Now, now let me say you something. If somebody has hurt you and that person never comes up and asks for forgiveness... 
Here's the deal. You don't need to worry. Because Jesus got down on his knees and he washed the disciples' feet and he'll get down on his knees in front of you and he'll take that hurt from you and he'll wash your feet. Jesus came to bring freedom. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To, to heal the brokenhearted. Some of you have been living with a broken heart for a long time. And you just think, oh, well, stuff happens in life. Yeah, stuff, stuff has happened in life. But you can live free from that event, free from that pain. If you allow the Holy Spirit to come and minister, I, right now I want you to close your eyes. Because I really believe in this moment God's going to do some inner healing. We haven't got long, but I believe He's powerful enough to do it in this moment. Come on, don't move because this has the power to change your life. And what I'm going to ask right now is the Holy Spirit to work and to bring to mind right now some of the memories of the events that have happened that He wants to heal. Some of you right now, memories are going to come to your mind, traumatic events, words that were spoken to you as a child. Verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. Maybe something that's happened with your parents, a close friend, a spouse. It might be something that you're so ashamed of that you told nobody. For some in this place, it's just, man, I, I did this and I, I'm struggling even to forgive myself. So what I'm doing right now is I'm asking the Holy Spirit to, to bring those things to mind. And if they come to your mind, it's simply because He wants to heal. Let me tell you, there can be some hurt and pain when it comes to your mind. But that pain will go in a moment. You'll still have the memory, but the enemy no longer will have right in that domain. And I'm going to ask you to do something as an act of faith. If you recognize something that's come to mind, whether it's big or small, if, if the Holy Spirit has brought something to mind, what I want you to do as an act of faith is I want you to lift your hands to God. Because I really believe God wants to heal you in this moment. Just as an act of faith. Come on, this is between you and God. As an act of faith, I want you to, to allow, saying, I'm allowing you, God, into this space. Because right now what we're going to do is we're going to pray and we're going to submit these memories to God. And it's going to be amazing because you're going to feel as we're, gonna, as we're praying, I believe stress is going to leave you. Come on, that stuff in your body is going to leave you. And what I want you to say, Father, I submit these memories to you. Can we say this? Father, I submit these memories to you. And I ask you to heal me now from all the stress and give me a holy forgetfulness. I choose now by an act of my will to forgive, to forget, and to be healed in Jesus' name. 